you know, if you treat somebody like just, you know, a resource that was hired to get a job done, like that's what you're going to get and you're not going to get any more. And that's, I think, contributing to the whole quiet quitting thing. Whereas like you said, if you get to know the person behind the role, then, you know, that lets you know that that lets them know that you. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our construction innovation and digital transformation adventure with a mission to model the future for this great industry. My guest today is Angelo Suntris. Angelo is a passionate leader in the construction industry with 16 years of experience designing and building in the ICI sector. He has represented both contractors and owners and understands the struggles from both sides of the fence. Angelo believes that focusing on the human principles of connection, including effective communication and fostering healthy relationships is a critical part to ensuring a successful future for the construction industry. Welcome to the show, Angelo. Thanks a lot, Todd, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So first off, how did you get into the construction industry to begin with? Well, it's kind of funny, I guess. And like most people I've talked to, it's like I didn't choose construction. Construction chose me. Uh, I, I had a pretty, you know, traditional career path, uh, starting from academics. I took mechanical engineering at the uh, University of Western Ontario. And so there I kind of learned, um, specialized in more HVAC on the design side. So I thought I was going to come out of school and be the best HVAC engineer the world had ever seen. And after looking for some jobs in consulting, I found that either they weren't for me or, you know, it was tough to find a job at that point. We were just coming out of a recession in uh, the early 2000s and I ended up getting a job at uh, Black and McDonald, which is a construction company. I was out east at the time in Atlantic Canada and that's how I kind of started my uh, my career and I'm actually very happy and, and lucky that it worked out that way because I couldn't see myself sitting at a desk doing calculations. No offense to those people nice. that do it but you know it's it's yeah, yeah. it's required as part of the, the uh, job but yeah, I love being on site. I love solving problems. And I love meeting all the different people. So, yeah, it's funny how life just kind of usually works out the way it's, it's supposed to go. You find the, the the right career path there at, at some point. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, your one of your uh, kind of passionate topics is is bringing in that that human side into construction. What do you think is currently kind of standing in the way then of construction from focusing in on the the human side of things more and really helping to create an environment that, that fosters that connection? Yeah, so I guess as a lead into that, I'll kind of elaborate a little bit about uh, my experience because it kind of uh, segues into the answer to your question there. But, you know, I learned pretty quickly that construction is a very technical field. Like there's a lot of, you know, you take a project, for example, there's drawings and specifications. The way you come up with those drawings, there's a design that, you know, you use calculations that have been established and it's very quantifiable and there's a lot of hard skills that you learn to on the technical side of things. And even when you start spending time on site, like the first, I'd say, 10 years of my career, I really spent honing my skills in, you know, learning the, the basics of construction, how the nuts and bolts came together, what was required in terms of logistics and, and scheduling. But I started to realize pretty quickly that, you know, communication was a huge aspect of this that we're not really taught about, at least not in engineering and, you know, architecture and those types of, uh, you know, construction management type things, even within 
the companies I've worked in, they've had some company initiatives that teach you how to be an effective communicator, but it only takes you to a certain extent and it really falls on you, you know, your personal development to, to make that happen. So I noticed that there is this gap. So really I've spent the last few years, uh, five, six years of my career on the management side of things and how teams work together and how to kind of increase productivity. So now roundabout way, I'm going to get to your question here now. Uh, what's standing in the way of construction from the human principles? I think it's a couple things. COVID definitely didn't uh, help when everything went virtual. I mean, virtual meetings are great. We're connecting from a great distance now. We're talking, which is awesome. But uh, you lose a lot of communication this way. Um, you know, the majority of communication is nonverbal. So we, when you used to sit down across the table and you read each other's body language and eye movements and, you know, that there's a lot more to communication and the words that are coming into your mouth or what can come across the screen. So, you know, as great as technology is, keeping in mind this is a technology, you know, podcast, it is great, but, you know, there's, a, there's an element that's lost when you're communicating that way. Um, number two, so that's kind of number one, but the bigger, probably more important issue that's, you know, gotten in the way of the human connection is things have become so combative in construction and litigious, right? Like every big job ends up in court. Everybody fights about money. Scopes aren't, right. you know, scopes aren't clear. And there's a real lack of trust, like at a lot of different levels. So, you know, a lot of times owners don't trust contractors because they think they're always out to screw them. Contractors don't trust subs. You know, sometimes employees don't trust employers. The big thing now is quiet quitting. You know, there's a lack of trust there. And you're, if you don't have my back, I'm not going to go above and beyond. So I think what this all adds up to is the industry has become very transactional. It's like, I'm going to do this because, you know, this is all I have to do. You ask me to do this, I'm going to do this very specific task and that's it. And it becomes, you know, so we've kind of lost that, uh, you know, it's become very us versus them and we need to really foster that more collaborative mindset, uh, for a lot of jobs. So, yeah. So how do you then break out of the transactional rhythm that the industry is, is finding themselves in? I think it's just, you know, fostering those relationships, like any healthy relationship, whether it's, you know, business or romantic or otherwise, it's, it's based on the same principles, right? There's trust and uh, honesty and kind of mutual respect. So once that trust is lost, like, how do we get that trust back? It's getting back to, you know, the human connections, like, yeah, we're, we get together to conduct business. You might hire me to build a building, but let's get to know each other a little bit first, because I think you have to lay the foundation in a relationship as human to human before you can layer on anything that has to do with money or other complexities of, you know, building and talking like that. So I guess, I don't know, just working on people skills. Um, I hate to say like team building events because, you know, I'm not a big proponent of taking up people's free time to go for pizza parties and shooting pool and stuff like that. But just, you know, encouraging people to be themselves, get to know each other, take some time out of your day to chat. How are the kids doing? How, you know, what hobbies are you into? And, you know, help to build that foundation of trust. Yeah. So what do you say to, to the uh, skeptics out there that say, you know, this sounds a, a too warm and fuzzy for me. We have a job to do. Let's just put our head down, get the building built. I would say like, look back at the history of like 
you know, human evolution and the way we've, you know, conducted ourselves before the industrial revolution. Like it was all about communities and having a village. Like, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a team to build a building. You can't look at people as separate individuals that are hired you know, to do a specific job. They have their own, you know, they bring their own experiences. They bring their own backgrounds. They also bring their own baggage. Like everybody's got baggage, right? Everybody's like, everybody, in my eyes, everybody's a person at the end of the day. We're not just cogs in the machine. So yeah, that might still be too wishy-washy for some people, but that's, you know. That's, <laughs> yeah. No, listen, I, I'm more than uh, agree. Regular listens, listeners will um, maybe be sick of hearing me say it, but I think it is incumbent to take time to get to know the person behind the employee and, and develop that, that personal bond. Cause that's the only way that you're going to really truly get maximum output from, from the person. And then you'll be surprised at, at how, how much you are able to uh, really learn about the person that translates directly to the job that you had no idea or skill sets that they have that you had no idea that they could do unless you take the time to get to know them and, who they are as a person and what really drives them and what motivates them and um, what encourages them. What, what are they passionate about? You have to stop and slow down. Yeah, no, totally. And if you, you know, and if you treat somebody like just, you know, a resource that was hired to get a job done, like that's what you're going to get and you're not going to get any more. And that's, I think, contributing to the whole quiet quitting thing. Whereas like you said, if you get to know the person behind the role, then, you know, that lets you know that that lets them know that you care and they're more willing to have your back when you need it because you know at the end of the day um you know everybody's always going to need something right that's why i'm a big believer in maintaining good healthy relationships not to manipulate people but you never know when you're going to need a favor from somebody right and if you're meeting right. somebody or you know you don't treat them respectfully like how likely is it that they're going to go out of their way to help you out if you're in a bind or if you need them to stay late one night or if you need them to you know do this or that so so yeah, yeah, yeah. And we you spend so much time with the, the people that you work with, you might as well figure out a way to like them, even if you. I mean, not everybody's personalities are going to clash are going to fit perfectly. There's going to be clashes. I, I get that, but if you can, even in those situations, figure out some something that's good about them. Not everybody is pure evil yes. <laughs> all the time. You know, <laughs> find some connection point. That's going to go a long way. Exactly. And like, you don't have to take it to the extreme. You're not going to be everybody's best friend. But if you can right. have a healthy, you know, like you mentioned, you spend more time with people at work than your family most of the time, you know, if you work in an office shop, which sounds yeah. kind of scary. But uh, so, yeah, it just has to be amicable. And that's, you know, I think that's another thing that might be getting in the way of uh, just to elaborate on the point of how things have become like combative is. I haven't received much training and I don't have to talk to many people who have about dealing with difficult situations and having difficult conversations. Like the amount of times I've been on site and you see two, you know, grown men screaming at each other, swearing at each other, calling each other names, and then you just walk away. Well, where's the conflict resolution there? Like it, it hasn't gone away yeah. because you vented. You got to vent every now and then. You have to blow your top sometimes. Hopefully it's controlled and like, you know, nothing, you know, feelings are hurt or whatever. But we're here to solve problems. That's what construction is about because there's fires that come up every day. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So let's kind of pick the, the next layer down because there's there's several uh, kind of layers of complexities in construction. When it comes to culture, you have the, the office in the field that there's some tension and, and strife 
I'm speaking in general here. Yep. You have the, you know, the architects vantage point, the GC, the subs that don't always all see eye to eye, you know, different generations, a, a whole bunch of different things. How do you address these different complexities and, and nuances and style conflicts? And then how do you overcome it? So if I had to boil it down into two words, and again, you know, I might be accused of being touch and feely and I, I have no problem with that. But compassion and empathy, like I think empathy is probably yeah. the number one quality of, you know, not only lead. I think we're all leaders in our own right. So I'll, I'll go as far as to say, you know, empathy is like the, the best, you know, the single most important um, attribute to have as, as a person. So getting into the specific to your question, like dealing with these differences, like the field in the office is a huge one. Generational one's a huge one. So Empathy, not not so much in the sense of like feeling what the other person is feeling, but just understanding things from other people's perspectives and appreciating mm -hmm. that, you know, no one person can know everything. Construction is such a big industry with super, you know, technical, fine details. You, it's impossible to know everything. So you have to know your limits and know where other people come in to fill those gaps to help finish the project or complete the design or whatever. So... I guess to, to sum that up, it's just appreciate the role that we play and where our, you know, area of expertise ends and the other persons meet because that's how, you know, that's how the team works uh, effectively. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you brought it to empathy as well too, because that is, it's critical. I, it's totally underrated, but it, it's a powerful, powerful tool when you can sit down, especially with somebody that you don't like and you disagree with and truly listen and hear their perspective and where they're coming from. And you can walk away still going, I totally disagree with that person. <laughs> you know, maybe they're a smuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can disagree with that. But for me personally, whenever I've been in those situations where there's a you know personality conflict, when I can go, okay, yes, I'm conflicting personalities wise, but I, I see where they're coming from. I don't agree with it, but I can see where they're coming from. It gives me more patience with them to be like, okay, this is what they're trying to accomplish. I'm trying to accomplish this. How can we, how can we create a win-win here and try to meet in the middle here somewhere or try to accomplish both? Maybe they're what they're trying to accomplish. I don't think it's needed, but it's not going to hurt anything. So why not try to help them out as well too, if it's not going to hurt anything and try to accomplish both their goal and my goal in this situation. But I'm never going to know that. I'm just going to think that they're an idiot and they're wrong yeah. unless I take the time to really sit down and, and hear their perspective. Well, there it, get, it gets back to the whole relationship side of things, right? To to, to find a win-win, you have to trust the other person to a point. Like you have to trust that even though you might not agree with them or like them as a person, that they're looking out for the best interest of the project. And you have to you know, take away your own bias and kind of, remove yourself from the situation a bit. So it's tough, man. Like I, I talk about it a lot and I'm not perfect. Like I'm, I'm, I've been doing construction now 17 years and I'm still working on it. And, uh, it's interesting seeing different sides too, right? Cause I started it out in the subcontracting spaces with the mechanical electrical contractor. And now I'm with, uh, you know, Elston is a general contractor and you know, they're touted like we're, we're one of the biggest uh, general contractors in, in Canada, if not North America. Uh, so we're pretty well known, but even we don't know everything, right? We hire the experts to do the work. So, and it, I always catch people doing it, like telling other trades how to do their work. And I stop them. I say, you know, 
yeah, I know we're big and smart and everybody's cool, but like, they're the experts. Like, why are we paying them money just to tell them what to do? Let them do their work. Give them the tools, clear the roadblocks, trust them to do the work. Yeah, I trust them that, you know, they're not going to try and gouge us and be fair about profit and that. But, you know, so there has to be a point there where you let go and, you know, trust other people to get the work done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another thing that kind of comes to mind. So I was moderating a a round table yesterday uh, with a group called Construction Progress Coalition, uh, and we were talking about uh, the, the communication styles and uh, all the different ways from, you know, informal ways to uh, be like a Slack channel or something to the more formal ways of, you know, white papers and meeting notes and all this stuff. Uh, but what, what came up is just the, the misinterpretation and the miscommunications of using the same words, but the way I'm using it and the term that how I'm defining the term is different than how you're defining the term. And so there's, frustration that happens not even really meaning to uh you know cause annoyances and and frustration we're just using the terms in in different ways so how do you take the time on the front side to say hey here's kind of the here's the definitions of the the terms of this project and and what we're going to do not on the contractual side but on the the communication side uh not uh a, a glossary but have some kind of communication style, uh, like reference guide that, that we can go back to. Uh, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? How, how do you avoid those miscommunications of, of just defining the terms differently? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a tricky one, especially in construction. Like the first thing that popped into mind was like acronyms, right? Everybody talks in acronyms. Mm-hmm. There's always a short form. So like I'm talking RFIs, SIs, KPIs, you know what I mean? Like, then some people are yeah. lost, but we talk about it like it's our first language where somebody, either they're new in the industry or they're from a different area where they don't use it. So they, you know, they might feel uh, you know, a little bit lost. And uh, I think it comes back to the empathy part too, right? And something I learned like from my wife, I've been married uh, over 10 years now. We've been together for a while, but uh, that, you know, you talk about communications and learning about that, like a marriage is a good way to, to work on that. But what I learned is what you say isn't always what the other person hears. So you have yeah, to be careful. That's a great point. If you, if you say something and it's not received well, it doesn't, it's possible. It's probably because that the way it came out, the way you said it, your mannerisms were, were read incorrectly. And that's where, especially doing stuff, virtual emails, texts, like all that context is lost. So where you might, uh, like the amount of times daily where, you know, you see email chains, email battles back and forth, where if somebody got on the phone or went out and, and had a coffee, things would be, things would be cleared up. So, um, so yeah, that doesn't really address your original question about defining things, uh, defining communication styles up front. But I think when you, you know, when you mentioned the term frustration, to me, frustration comes from unmet expectations. So if you don't clarify your expectations from the outset, like you're, you're setting yourself up, everybody up for, you know, frustration and, and disappointment. Yeah, no, more than agree with that. So how do you, how do you build those effective communication habits then to uh, bring those different stakeholders with different perspectives, different personalities, different goals? How do you bring them to the table in a, a productive way through communication? 
Um, so I think, you know, it's just leading by example. It's, it's setting the tone on, um, you know, maybe coming up with some sort of communication structure and, and let people know certain issues are to be dealt with in certain ways. Like if it's just a quick FYI, yeah, send me a text or an email saying the power is restored on level five. Okay, great. But if there's an issue, why did that power, you know, why did the power go out on level five? You know, instead of writing a paragraph long email, have a meeting with the right stakeholders. So I think the key thing is getting the right people to the right table for depending on the issue. So, and that takes a second to think, not making a step judgment and quickly sending a message that can quickly snowball into like, you know, telephone game and, and 10 emails later, nobody knows what the actual you know, original issue was the first point. Bridging the Gap is powered by Graytech Group. As a global BIM and modeling expert, Graytech is dedicated to empowering construction and manufacturing professionals to digitize and industrialize their processes to improve performance and build a sustainable tomorrow. With more than 30 years in the industry, they know how to be your partner in a world where change is the new normal and always strive to enable their customers to gain an increased competitive advantage to model the future. Visit greatech-group.com for more information. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so obviously there's a, a huge labor shortage that's happening throughout construction. How would addressing the, this communication breakdown and the, the cultural differences, bringing in the, the human side of construction, how would that help address and, and solve the labor shortage? So this is a great question and I'm glad that we're addressing it because I mean, daily you go on LinkedIn and the news and everybody's talking about the labor shortage, but we've been talking about it as long as I've been in the industry. Like we knew it was coming and it's not coming anymore. <laughs> it's here now, buddy. It's here. And we're dealing, yeah. we're dealing with the effects of it right now. But still you hear about it. Oh, there's a labor shortage. So what are we doing about it? Like, let's talk about that, guys. So I'm glad you asked. So so how can, how can using the human side, uh, so I'll tell you, there's three, pro I think there's three, um, three ways that this can help off the top of my head. Okay, number one, and people hear a lot about it and a lot of people think they're buzzwords, but I truly believe in them. Equality and diversity. So getting back to treating people like people. If you're if you're new to Canada, you know, fine. If the experience isn't there, depending on where you're coming from, you might need to be brought up to par. If English isn't your second language, there's a little bit of you know extra work required there. But we need people. So why are we limiting it to predominantly white males? So let's look at getting more women in construction. Let's look at getting more new Canadians, new Americans, or, you know, the BIPOC uh, population, like everyone, the numbers are going to naturally increase because you're inviting more people into it. So number one, I think equality and diversity, and that's not a human resource or a people and culture issue. It's not a senior management issue. It's everybody's responsibility, in my opinion, to make the industry more welcoming for everybody. And that's just a no brainer to me. Like let everybody feel welcome, clear the roadblocks, like people coming out of the EU and like more developed countries, their standards for quality and safety are higher than North America. So why should they have to jump through all these hoops and wait months, you know, wait for months to, to be cleared to work? I don't know, but that's beyond my scope. Uh, number two, 
we've already kind of touched on it, but improving on communication and, and relationships. So I think, you know, productivity and effectiveness of employees is directly related to how you treat them as an employer. Because I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, but if you treat them like shit, then they're not going to have your back and they're not going to put in extra work. They're only going to do what you pay them for. So I think, you know, having that healthy relationship and salary is part of it. You know, benefits are part of it. But in my eyes, once your basic needs are met in terms of compensation, it's how you're treated at work, how you're respected, how you're valued in the team. So that's the important part to me, especially as a leader, like my team, I, you know, give them the tools they need and let them do their job. If they need some guidance, fine. If you need to step in, help them out. Um, yeah, so and, and if you take care of your employees, they're more than likely to be happy. If your employees are happy, they're going to treat your customer well and your customer is going to be happy. So, you know, I'm not an owner, but that's a pretty, maybe it's too simplistic, but to me it's kind of a, you know, that's a no-brainer there. And that makes sense. The third point, which I'm going to, I'm going to turn it over to you was because we've talked about it before, but how construction has a marketing issue. So I kind of touched on it, how, you know, looking from the outside in, it's like, well, why don't people, more people want to get into construction? Because it's not looked upon as that very, you know, that respectful of a profession. You know, a lot of people think it's yeah. dirty. A lot of people think it's long hours and that. So I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on how, like, do you agree that, you know, that there's that issue there and how construction is perceived and how, what do you think we can do about it? I more than uh, agree with you. Uh, it's a, a soapbox, so I'll try not to go on too big of rant here. But yeah, I more than more than agree. Construction has a huge marketing problem in the perception of others because you know for so long we have not told the story of what's actually happening in construction, and we've left it up to other people outside the industry to say what construction is, and so the culture at large is relying on a stereotype from you know 50 years ago of construction and has no idea what's actually going on present day case in point uh every, every time I, I go out and I, I tell people about the podcast outside of construction and say yeah i you know i run a podcast about construction technology and innovation they look at me with a total blank stare of like, that has to be the world's most boring, uninteresting podcast yeah. is what technology and innovation, you know, you hear the construction so behind on implementing technology. I don't really see it that way at all. Construction has technology in the space. Could they do more? Sure. Could they ramp up even more on certain things? Of course, but it's not a, a this backwards uh, you know, dirty jobs industry at all. There's so many different facets to construction and so many different potentials and career paths and possibilities in here that it's, is the, uh, this great kept secret for some reason. And I think it stems from, uh, you know, a lot of people in construction are uh, really just too humble to, to tell their story. And they're like, they don't think they have a compelling story to actually share out that, you know, oh, well, I'm just coming in and I'm doing my job. And that's true. I, I, I love that part of people in construction, that, that humility aspect of it, of just taking pride in their work and letting the work speak for itself. The problem though, that we've seen is after 50 years, 
if you're not the one telling what's actually happening, then who is telling it and who's telling your story? You're nobody's going to be interested in it because they're not getting a real perception of it. So you expose kids to what's happening in construction. Construction is a cool industry. Mm -hmm. There's, there's something inherently just really cool about construction as a little kid. I have four young kids and they just are, you know, will stare gobsmacked at a construction site thinking it's the, you know, they're watching Disneyland. They, they think it's awesome. So I, I think we need to do a better job of, of telling the story that's happening in construction and uh, speaking to kids about construction and showing them and, and getting them hands-on exposure to the industry and, and not leaving it up to the, the stereotypes. But I'll step down off my soapbox. No, man, no, no. I, mean, that, but... <laughs> I totally agree with what you're saying. And I'd like to add a couple of points. That's okay. Cause like, sure. It's true. Like if, if you don't know what's going on behind the curtain, like you only see what other people tell you. So like if you, even if you Google right now, like construction news, I haven't done it recently, but what you're going to see is this project was delayed. This project is so many millions over. When you drive by a site, you see a guy in a hard hat smoking, you know, and in some rebar and some concrete trucks. And that's, you know, that's construction to people. But there's this whole amazing thing behind that image. And like you mentioned, the different facets, right? Like I've worked in estimating too. Like before I got into construction, I didn't even know that estimating existed. Like, because when 90% of the population, if you don't know construction, you might drive by a construction site every day on your way to work. And every day you go by and it's a little, looks a little bit more and more like a building. And then one day there's a building. They say, yeah, they did construction there, but nobody knows what was involved. There were years of design, you know, on these big jobs, years of design, permitting, site plan approval, like procurement, estimating, all this stuff, value engineering. So what somebody sees a building going up in a year, like there's how many thousands of hours, of men and women, like working hard to, make it happen so estimating you know accounting finance business development uh you know I, there's probably a dozen other ones i'm not thinking of right now but there's so many different you know opportunities for sure that people don't know about like when i was in uh, high school and, and university nobody and i mean nobody mentioned construction as a viable career path so i didn't i ended up getting into construction it's not that i didn't consider it because i thought oh that's dirty i'm worried I just didn't know that you could make money in a decent, you know, living in project management and all this other stuff. You know, yeah, yeah, especially in project work, it's give and take. If you're facing a deadline, you're going to have to put in extra hours. You're going to have to come in, you know, work at home, answer emails, whatever. But then in the, you know, times where there's less load, you you, you don't. So it's give and take. And I just want to go back a sec because you've got four kids, man. That's amazing. Congratulations. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I have three and that's, uh, you know. That's a handful. I guess I'm there's not like, much difference between three and four. Well, you know, outnumbered. it's just like you're tagging another one along. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. You're already outnumbered. So, um, that's right. So that, and, and I, I'm very passionate about sharing our successes and I'm vocal about that too. Even if it's small wins, like, you know, projects I'm on will hit a milestone and we might order pizza for the team, but then that's it. Like nobody ever brings, so when we have a meeting, the next three, four meetings, I make sure to bring it up. If it's not mentioned, I'll bring up a new business saying, hey, congratulations, everybody. We worked really hard and we, and you know, people like that. You need to pat on yeah. the back. As long as you can't be, you can't be, you have to be authentic about it too. Because people can tell when it's a fake sure. and it's just like, so, but yeah, it, and it, 
you know, it helps out because it is can be tough at times. So you need to celebrate the wins, no matter how small, for sure. And, yeah. and let people know more about than, it. Yeah. Yeah. More than agree with that. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So we talk a lot about innovation here. So what does innovation mean to you? So innovation to me, you know, it's it's about more than just technology. Tech's a big part of it because it's about using, you know, all the different tools and resources you have available. But it's about, you know, challenging the status quo. I hate to use the cliche, but, you know, thinking about different ways to do things um, and accepting that they might not work too. Like if you have an idea and you think it could have potential, you know, try it out at a small scale. And if it fails, put it aside. Don't get down about it, but just keep going. So it's, you know, it's an iterative process that requires like continuous thought and improvement to me. And it's not, it's not mm -hmm. specifically one area, whether it's tech or, you know, productivity or, you know, it's just any, any idea that can improve any existing process, I guess, is innovation to me. Yeah. It's mindset more than anything at the end of the day. How do people find out more information and, and connect with you? Um, so connecting with me, like I'm, you know, I'm, I've started to be more active on social media. I'm LinkedIn. I post, you know, a couple times a week on various topics, a lot about, you know, leadership and motivation and what, what drives people to, uh, you know, be good at what they do and just acknowledging kind of the human side of things. Cause like we mentioned before, you know, there's more to what you do at work. Uh, there's more to your life about, or sorry, there's more to your life than just what you do at work. So you know, exploring that side of things and how everything interconnects, how, you know, the team works together and everything. So, yeah. So final question for you. If I could give you all power and you could snap your fingers and innovate one aspect of the construction industry, what would you pick to innovate? Um, so not to, uh, not to steal the name of your podcast, but I would innovate something that would bridge the gaps in construction. And let me elaborate on that a little bit, because we kind of touched on a couple of different gaps, but you know, there's the, the generational gap is, is a big one. So for some reason, it's not, you know, it's not a mystery. There was the baby boomers and then people just started having kids at a lesser frequency. So what I find in, in pretty much all the environments I've worked in, there's a group of people that are close to retirement age that have a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge to share. And there's a lot of people like, you know, my and your age and, and younger, and there's about 18, 20 years gap in there. So we have different communication styles. We learn differently and we work differently. And I think that gap has caused, you know, uh, a, a roadblock basically in transferring that knowledge. And we're in trouble because once those people retire, like they're gone. You know, unless you hire them yeah. back on a part-time consultancy basis, which I'd be doing if I were them. But, uh, but yeah, so somehow, and I think if you figure it out, you can make a lot of money. But bridging that gap from the, the generational aspect of things to transfer that knowledge. So that's kind of number one. And, you know, and it's almost like white collar versus blue collar with the project management and the supers. Some companies are even structured where there's different reporting street streams, depending on if you're on site or in the trailer, even though you're still, you know, you're still one company. So, you know, changing the way, and again, different communication styles, different ways of getting things done. So there's a gap there. Uh, and one more the, the, between design and construction, like even on design build projects, which is what I've been doing the last few years, it, when the consultant is on the same team as the contractor, there's still that 
gap there where the design only carries it so far and then you start building and you realize that there were these holes that you know could have been addressed by in a couple hours in a design meeting now you're spending tens of thousands of dollars and hours on site so I don't know. It's kind of a general answer, Todd. I don't know if that'll cut it, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> no, that was that was good. You got your three wishes from yeah, yeah, the, the the gap genie, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're ready to roll. Nice. I like it. <laughs> well, thanks so much for for coming on and uh, you know bringing the, the the human perspective into construction. I, I think it's it's very needed, and the more voices out there helping carry that that mantle, the the better. So for sure. For, for being willing. Well, for sure. Though, so thanks for having me, and I think it's amazing what you're doing. So keep it up, Todd. Thanks a lot. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software production. Copyright Applied Software 2022.